Hey, it's Sam. Are you tired of your old everyday coffee and want a weight loss challenge? Well, Ashley Pacure is running a 90-day weight loss program that has you drink coffee to support your weight loss. Ashley is with a company called It Works, and they've been around for 18 years as a debt-free company and distribute in 26 countries. Her line of all-natural products, including keto-friendly products, have helped thousands with financial freedom and an overall healthier lifestyle. Ashley is also doing a draw to win $500 for the month of March. Sounds pretty cool. If you're interested in losing weight or making money or even winning money, you got to talk to this lady. Her name is Ashley Pacure, and you can reach her at 519-807-9397. Email karaokeashley84 at gmail.com or look her up on Facebook, Ashley Pacure. That's P-E-K-U-R-A-R. Okay, so we're good. Are you good? I'm ready. Okay. Where's my, this is my big moment. This <laughs> ready to shine. Sam Cook live. Woohoo. Five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. This is Sam Cook live. I'm so excited. I can barely speak right now that you're here. Ah, we're friends. What do you, <laughs> I just, I'm really excited because you do so much. I mean, Television host. For the children. Actress. Like, I can't even give you... Okay, let me try it. I volunteer at City Kids in Hamilton seven days a week. No, you do not. I just came from there. No. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) But if you could, you would. Yeah. And I mean, let me just give you a little background. Uh, Television host. I would say comedian. uh, Professor. Um, what else do you do? I make magnets. You make, <laughs> you make magnets? <laughs> I do. I and actually do. You do? Yeah, I'll make you some. I would love that, actually. It's like a weird little hobby that I like to do where you can just sort of zone out and not think too hard and just like do a craft and be silly. And I used to have a secret flea market booth where I would sell my magnets. Um, yeah. and Really? I, yeah. Around Christmas, they were a real hit for stocking stuffers. I need to have yeah. one of these magnets. Like, one. I need to have one. Yeah. But I think the most important job that you have is mom. I mean, mom. really. Mom. So yeah. you really do it all. And I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because I've known you for a really, really long mm-hmm. time. And some of the amazing stuff that you have done is just so unbelievable. And you're so funny and you're so talented. And to know that you do all of this with kids... And you still are able to do it all. Mm-hmm. And I just think that is unbelievable. Thank you for that. You're I'm a multi- damn girl boss. You are. B-A-W-S-E. That boss. is it. You're a boss <laughs> for sure. And so I want to kind of bring it back because how we kind of met mm-hmm. um, is through Mohawk College. Yes, that's right. You were actually my uh professor back in 2006 am I dating you yeah, and myself both of us but that's okay <laughs> and I remember um you actually taught a class I believe it was called on-air performance and the weird thing is at the time I wasn't really looking to to do anything on air uh but I really felt like your class and I learned a lot and I felt like you and I just connected um right away and I think that's why we kind of like have stayed in touch over over time but um I remember there were some tips you would say and the funny thing is Uh-oh. I remember one one class Uh-oh. you said 
Hey girls, if you want to make it big, make sure you dye your hair blonde. I did not <laughs> yes, say you that. Did. Yes, I'm a you horrible did. And I was person. like looking at my hair and I was like, but I have brown hair. Should I go dye my hair? I wonder if I was joking. <laughs> you must have been joking. You must have been I joking. I must have been joking yeah. because on the TV show that I did on YTV, um, I was the blonde. My friend Trish mm-hmm. was the brunette. And so, yeah, so I, I don't know why I would have said that. So I, I'm sorry. I might have also been intoxicated. So, I mean, <laughs> so there's, there's that the real too. reason. <laughs> I just might have been out of it in class. So. Just came from the Arnie folks. You know, Mohawk <laughs> College. Props to Mohawk College. But um, I actually, you know, to be real, I felt like I learned a lot in that class. And there were several professors there who um, I remained great friends with, especially um, there was another female teacher there that uh, got me all in my feels. And her name was Tracy Kadish. And she yeah. still teaches at Mohawk. And she was actually one of the ones who said, you know, hey, Sheena, do you think you should maybe, I think you should try uh, teaching. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I've always held, um, you know, the professors on such a high regard and I kind of felt insecure and thought you know what I don't think I'd be very good at that like I don't think I'm you know intelligent enough or or whatever and um you know I over time I've realized like that's this this is just one thing that I can do I can spin a lot of plates and teaching is and momming and and acting and hosting and voiceovering and whatever the scenario may be um you know I can I can do different things I don't have to just say I just do this you know, well, one of the things too is that um, you're a professor now, but from my understanding, you were homeschooled for a while, <laughs> or was it most of your life? Am I wrong? So, here's the truth What's the story? This is the truth, folks. So, I grew up in a small town called Port Dover, um, which I know you're familiar with. You have a Love cottage it. there. Mm-hmm. So, um, essentially, I, I, I grew up in a small town. There's not a lot of stuff to do. So in the wintertime, kids kind of get up to trouble. And I remember at the time I was just being a total brat, running around. I I believe I got caught breaking into a house. (laughs) This is amazing. You heard it here first on Sam Cook Live. She's a badass and a felon. (laughs) felon. Um, Well, it wasn't really breaking into a house. It was just like, it was a cottage. Maybe it was your cottage. I don't know. (laughs) Could have been. (laughs) Somebody's. But you know, that's what kids do in the small town. They just like fool around in the wintertime because there's there's nothing really, there's no movie theater. There's no, anyways, the point is I was getting into a lot of trouble. So my mom said, you know, I'm not really sure what to do with you, but I want you to succeed in life. And she sent me. Um, you know, to a really strict, strict, strict Christian boarding school for all of high school. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So, and um, the high school system as it was there wasn't set classes. It was more so of a, a homeschool approach. And we had to sit in little cubicles. It was actually really <laughs> hilarious. And it was in upstate New York, by the way. So really? I remember, yeah, it was actually really beautiful. It was like in the Finger Lake region. It was really, really, really beautiful. Wow. Were you yeah. scared to leave and go there? No, not at all. Actually, they were super friendly. Uh, you know, they they welcomed people like me with open arms. It was just a really great, it was a great place to spend my teenage years. But the weird thing is, is with it being so strict and so Christian, um, they didn't allow you to listen to radio. You were not allowed to um, watch TV. So there's a good chunk there in the mid-90s where someone will make a reference. We'll be just chatting and somebody will say, oh, remember that movie? Like when Super Troopers came out, like I remember my husband talking about it. I'm like, don't know what don't you're talking it. about. I have no idea because it the place was really secluded. No radio, no TV. You're really cut off from the outside world. 
And I remember um, we had done our chores for the day and we did a really good job. And the pastor said, um, I'm going to take you guys to Ponderosa. <laughs> Which was a big oh deal. God. Like, we damn, are, Ponderosa. We're dating ourselves for sure. With pa <laughs> but Ponderosa was amazing. Good. Oh, I miss Ponderosa. Oh, man, they had great macaroni and cheese. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say something? Okay, finish your story about Ponderosa. Well, I, I, I will just say that the, fin the, you know, the end of the story essentially is... At Ponderosa, we showed up there and they were they were playing the radio in the restaurant. And I remember being so music deprived and mm. also so incredibly just pop culture deprived. I remember telling the pastor, I, I really don't feel good. I'm going to go use the restroom. And I just remember going in, sitting in the restroom, uh, you know, sitting on the toilet, pretending yeah. I was going to the bathroom. <laughs> I was not. I just wanted to listen to the radio and do something wow. normal, you know, and feel, feel normal. So, you know, maybe that's a part of the reason that I got into media and entertainment is because I was so deprived for so long. And by the time I got done high school, I really wanted to immerse myself in pop culture and radio and television and all of these things because I had been so deprived for so long. So, which I mean, is crazy to think about it because you were just saying, you know, it was so strict. And then I go on your YouTube channel and you have some amazing videos up there that are just really you putting it out there. Yeah. And, you know, one of my favorite videos that you do is uh, Breakdance. Oh, yes. And the it has dance. over, I think it's like 14,000, almost 15,000 views. And it's just literally you breakdancing yeah, in the street baby. of downtown Hamilton. And yes. just, you are so funny and so talented. And I want to talk about that breakdance video for a second. And if you have not seen it yet, check it out. Uh, YouTube.com, I believe it's slash Sheena Snively. Yep. And uh, how did this video come to be? Because this is a, a video that everybody talks about. Yeah, it's, you know, you know it was such a fun video. Um, at the time, I... That video was made when I was working at MTV, and it was just a fun video to make. I, I worked with a really great producer at the time, and you know what? We were just like, what's something fun we can do that's evergreen, you know? And yeah. for the folks who are listening who might not know what evergreen is, like, that's that lasts forever that is not dated or anything like that. So we are like, just go do a dance video. And I'm like, oh, you mean like a music video? Like, I'll be saying, and it's like, no, 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 no. Let's just dance. That's it. So that's kind of how that came about, just sort of out of out of boredom and and also wanting to showcase Hamilton as well, because I found at that time there was a lot of really cool and even now um, there's a lot of really cool uh, graffiti walls and whatnot in Hamilton. Mm, yeah. So it was just kind of also a way to showcase like a different part of Canada other than just filming the same old streets of Toronto over and over again. So it was really fun. Yeah. No, it's, it's I think that you're so creative and I want to talk about MTV as well. Um the talent that you have on MTV, I mean, they really did a great job when they found you and hired you for MTV. And and the weird thing is, is I originally, when I started out, I wanted to get into set design. That's kind of what I wanted to do, which, um, you know, was, it seems weird to look at that now, but my dad was an artist and he, I was always in his workshop. He was a carpenter and I was, he was always working with his hands and he was always pulling me in and helping me work on different projects. So, you know, working with sets and, you know, doing that hands-on stuff felt really natural to me. Um, anyway, but I just sort of got hired from that point of view. And then at the time and, you know, 2006, 2007, social media was just coming up. 
people didn't really understand what that was. And not only did people not understand, you know, what social media is, the other question was, how does social media, um, you know, work as a partner with a radio station or with a television station? How do these two things coexist? And how can stations, meaning, you know, television station, utilize these tools? Um, so it's just really, it was a really interesting time to start up through that. And, and nobody really knew what that was. But I was like, hey, I know how to use MySpace. Well, What's up? But the, yeah. And <laughs> I think the thing is, is that um, when I look at someone's career, and in terms of social media and television and radio and using these mediums, you're, I believe, kind of like, I was going to say like the grandfather, but I don't know what term to use, but you were kind of like the queen of, um, you know, the first to do a Facebook Live, the first mm -hmm. to do a Facebook Live show that many people try to mm -hmm. imitate but will never duplicate. Um, you are the first to go out there and do these like videos and put them up on YouTube and put yourself out there saying, you know, I'm not just sitting behind a desk being prim and proper, but you're just putting it all out on the line. Mm -hmm. And uh, and be, it's because of you that people like myself and Will Nash and, and, and other media person, not Taylor Kay, I think that we're all doing shows now on Facebook Live mm -hmm. because of you. So, oh, well, shoot. You know, and I mean, <laughs> Put honestly. Put the money in the bank, there baby. <laughs> Anytime I want to feel good about myself, I just need to come over to Sam's house. You're just so that's lovely. Right. That's really sweet. Uh, but it's uh, part of the reason why the Facebook Live thing came about for me. And, um, you know, I did live Wednesday, every single Wednesday for, you know, quite some time, well over a year. Um until I had my daughter and then I was like, life has gotten slightly crazy yeah. and I need to prioritize at the moment. But um, essentially, it was one of those things where it had just been released. It had been released to a handful of people in Canada. Uh, Facebook said to me at the time, like, would you be willing to try this? And I had a lot of connections and still have a lot of connections at the Facebook head office. So um, I was kind of a guinea pig for them in a way to kind of check it out, try it, see if it was clunky, see where things could come and go. But not only that, um, at the time, um, I had a, a digital show. I was doing digital segments for CBC at the time. And they were also saying to me, like, how are you going to promote um, these digital little packages that we're doing? And I was like, well, I just found out about this Facebook Live thing and I, I really want to try it out. So that's kind of how that marriage happened and took place. And look, at now we're still doing this. We're it's still crazy. doing it. It's crazy. Well, this isn't Facebook Live. It's a podcast. But Now, let's let's bring you back to your days of MTV. What was that like working with Darren Jones? And, and I mean, you, you worked with a lot of greats. And so what was that like? Well, actually, I'm going to take your question and rebuttal with a question. I know you were at YTV for a long time. Did you ever work with Darren? I YTV? did. He was, he was uh, I think he was the slime master for a little while on Uh-Oh, I think. I think. I think he was. <laughs> um, it's the show where we slime little kids. And I believe he was on that show for a while. So that's how I knew him. And uh, I've just kind of watched his career grow and grow MTV. Mm. And then I heard him on the radio. And so he's been doing really well. Um, and I, that makes me happy. I know. This sounds so bizarre. And I think Uh-Oh was just, I had just, well, I was in boarding school, I'm sure, for part of it. But also, I feel like I just, it was just I was in the age group just above where that would be because I remember it. I remember seeing it, remember seeing commercials for it and whatnot. But I feel like at, at that stage, I had moved on to the much music generation, yeah, yeah. you know, so I feel like I was just shy. But so the question I have for you is, did you get slimed on this show? Did they ever slime you? 
all the time. Uh, <laughs> there was a guy named Mike Beaver, and he was the um, Punisher. He played the Punisher, and um, he. And this would... is a kid-friendly show, right? Like there's a yeah. character called the Punisher. There on was, it. Yeah, the, yeah, exactly. And the Punisher would slime people, and like Mike and my coworkers, Aaron and um Aaron Alexander and they would try and find time to slime me and uh put slime on my hair and, but sometimes <laughs> they didn't even have to I mean sometimes there was um we'd have like pools of goo and you know the kids would jump in to like eat five eggs out of the pool of goo for 50 points and the goo would get all in my hair and in my face and there was a kid one time where I was like okay for 50 points you have to eat as many hard-boiled eggs as possible you ready go and the kid would eat the eggs, and on like the third one, you could see the color on their face going just like the <laughs> eggs came back up, landed all over oh me. But the God. show must go on. I mean, it was uh, it was an incredible experience. But for you, I mean, some of the bits that you did on MTV were just like. I know you did so many of them, but some that stand out, and I still talk about this to this day, is the one where you went into a shopper's drug mart. Sorry, my soda stream. That's what you heard there, <laughs> uh, and you stole. A Justin Bieber cardboard oh cutout. I forgot about out that. Out of Shoppers Drug Mart. And you, you remember those life-size cardboard, cardboard cutouts for those that uh, mm. are listening? I mean, it was... Uh, how did you even come up with that? So at the time, um, I would say this is probably around 2010, 2011, somewhere around there. Um, I don't know if you remember, like, people were stealing these Justin yes. Bieber cutouts. Life-size. Like, it was happening all the time. Like, people were totally just ripping them off everywhere. And so they wanted to see if I could do it. And actually, like, I've always kind of looked very momish. You know what I mean? So it was, you look innocent. It was like, yeah, I look innocent. Like this. Oh, this chick ain't in here shoplifting. <laughs> she's not doing anything. Like she's just in here looking for the Tampax aisle. Like, <laughs> like what's up? So like, they they just like leave me alone. So, anyways, um, I, I, I mean, you can see the clip on YouTube, but it's really, it was really fun. We were just like, let's see if Sheen can still cut out. And the funny thing is, like, it wasn't a setup hoax or anything. We set up cameras outside on Young Street in Toronto, pointed it at a shopper's drug mart, and they were like, Sheena, go in and steal it. And Lord of mercy, God bless Darren Jones. He was, like, coaxing me through the whole thing and telling me to go in and do it. And, of course, you know, when the occasion arises, mama must deliver. Mm -hmm. So I went into the shopper's drug mart, and I literally, it didn't take long for me to steal it at all. I'm talking, like... <laughs> I don't know what came over me. I walked right in, grabbed the thing, and high-tilled it out the door, and they didn't even realize what happened. Like People were shocked. I remember looking at the cosmetics manager. She was like, what you going to see in her face? She was just like, oh, my God, because they don't expect it. And the best is they have this, like, view from the top of a building looking <laughs> down, and you just see Sheena with Justin Bieber under her arm running down I, the I street. Like, like, I, I cried. <laughs> like, there's so many good moments from that show. I mean, what an absolute experience for yeah, you. It was, it was definitely the way you want to spend all of your 20s. Like, uh, you know, working at such a great channel like that. And my coworkers were just the best. Like, uh, many of... Many folks I'm just like, you know, been lifelong friends with yeah. forever now. So, And yeah. you worked with Ron Jeremy. You, I mean, not uh, worked with, but you did a bit with oh Ron Jeremy. Oh, my God. Okay, let me just and tell you. dirty. Let me just tell you something about Ron tea. Jeremy. I'm excited. So Ron Jeremy is actually 
everything you think about him, and I challenge anybody who's listening to this right now, anything that you think about Ron Jeremy, put that out the window. He is actually one of the most lovely men. He's so nice, such a kind, caring guy. He's a classically trained pianist. (laughs) You got to say that properly. (laughs) Yes. Um, really? he's, um, an expert skier. He, he skis all around there. You would never think because of his no. physique and body shape, you would never think that in a million years, but he's also a very good businessman. If you think about it, like, let's just call a spade a spade. Yeah. Um, the man, you know, did a series of porno, porn, pornographic videos in the seventies and early eighties. And somehow he's managed to propel that into a career where even teenagers now know who he is. Yeah. To this day. And I mean, if you think about it, uh, what other 70s or 80s, you know, porn star can you really name? It's It would be hard to name some. So um, he's, he's a very ferocious businessman. He's very frugal. And he's hmm. a lovely conversationalist. Like, I love talking to this guy. And once you connect with him and you become friends with him... Um, You would assume where people would think he's a slime ball. He's like trying to grab, you know, he's not like that at all. He's actually a complete and total gentleman. And it's tough because when you tell, when people talk about Ron Jeremy, um, I mean, everybody kind of loves him. He's a cuddly guy, but at the same time, people at times can speak very like as if they're better than him or something like they're grossed out by what he, it's not like that at all. He's just so lovely. Yeah. And you have met so many celebrities and interviewed them and chatted mm. with them. I mean, uh, I think M- was MC Hammer on oh there? Oh my gosh. Let me tell you about MC. I got stories about everyone. Like, I, I saw, did you, was it Screech Saved by the Bell? I or actually, no? yeah, I actually interviewed Screech and I actually wrestled him. So for a while I was doing some wrestling as well. Just one more plate that I've spun like in my life. Wrestling? Like actually wrestling. Like I had a character. My name was Machina. Yeah, I, I need had, to find video yes, footage of this. It's out stats. there. It's out there. Okay, I'm going to find um, it. This is why I love this show Glow so much because I look at this and I'm like, where was Glow for me in the mid 2000s? Yeah. Because I would have completely, totally been on that show. I would have just like totally thrived because there wasn't at the time. I mean, unless you were a complete, you know, knockout 10 bimbo babe, there wasn't a lot of women like me wrestling who were just like bigger boned women who were like big women wrestling. But I mean, we're talking about at the time, mid 2000s, we're dealing with the Trish, Trish Stratus, 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 Stratus. But, um, and you know, no doubt she's lovely, but at the same time as like, I would have really loved that show Glow to be able, like, holla, Genji Cohan, producer mm-hmm. of Glow. I'm here waiting. <laughs> But um, yeah, so I wrestled Screech. Um, I've I've wrestled the That's junkyard hilarious. dog. I've wrestled Virgil, who was the million dollar man's assistant. Um, you know from the eighties. Oh um, yeah, yep. Yeah. I remember that show. Yeah, so I mean, my wrestling career, I'm very proud of. <laughs> <laughs> MC Hammer. All right. I need to hear this story. MC Hammer, it was very funny. So the thing I loved about my specific interview style was they would always send me to do sort of the on the fringe uh, type 
people. It always made me jealous because Paul and you, Lord, God love him, bless his soul. They'd always send him like, oh, Andre 3000 is coming through. Like you get to, and I'd be like, oh man, at the time, I'm yeah. like, I want to interview Andre yeah. 3000. Or he would get like uh, Jamie Foxx or whatever. So the funny thing is, is they would be like, Sheena, we're sending you up to Casino Rama in a snowstorm. <laughs> And you are going to interview MC Hammer tonight. Okay, you know what? I'll take it. Beggars can't be choosers, right? <laughs> so um, the, the thing about MC Hammer is I I was given a list of questions to ask him that were written by a writer for MTV. Okay. And the writer had written me a lot of questions about religion. And MC Hammer is actually a minister now. He's a priest or sorry, I guess those are two different things, but he's a minister now. So he's he's got a real religious side to him. So all the questions were like really brutal questions about oh. religion. And actually, I was like, I'm just going to go with it and ask these questions. And, and the weird thing is, is I really felt at the time like this doesn't really represent me. Because anytime I've done interviews, I've always been playful, fun. Yeah, we like to joke around and whatever, but I would never be mean to the to the person I was interviewing. And I really felt a little bit set up in a way. Not set up. I guess that's a wrong word. You know, the writer was had just written in a tone that that didn't suit my personality. And so here I am asking him all these questions about religion. So I walk in the door. Here's MC Hammer standing here. There, we've got a green screen set up and essentially I just started rolling with these questions and he seemed very tough and I was like trying to break that exterior like trying to break in and ask him these questions and like I said they're all about religion and then he just kind of was like if you're gonna keep interviewing me and asking me questions about religion we're done here and yeah. it was very I felt at the time very like why did I do that? It didn't, I didn't like the questions before. So if, you know, I would say to anybody who is listening, really make sure when you're putting yourself out there, and I mean, you know this better than anybody, uh, make sure you're being represented to what you feel, especially when you're the face of something, make sure that you're being represented appropriately and what you feel is truly authentically you. Because that was a scenario where I felt very embarrassed and I took the card, I ripped it up, threw it to the side and I'm like, can we please start again? You did that. I was like, we need to start again. And he like threatened to kind of walk out. To be completely fair, he was not a friendly man. Like he was uh, his second number one that I walked in the room. He already had this like yeah. a barrier up. Like he could have been playful. He could have played around. But that's not the way he chose to do it. But I went all the way up there. So then we ended up like doing just dance moves. And I just cut the whole interview as like a dance I'm like, forget it. Like, <laughs> we're just gonna goof around. Now, do you edit all your own stuff? Because all the videos that are up there, do you edit all those? Um, yeah, I was actually involved. I I don't actually sit in front of the computer and edit those videos. I have two individuals who I met at Mohawk College who uh, are the closest and best friends you could ever imagine, and they edit a lot of stuff for me. And I think it's really important to align yourself with folks who have the same, if you want to get in comedy, folks that have the same personality and sense of humor as you because that editing process, one little second too long or one little second yes. too short could make or break the entire segment, could make or break the entire joke. So it's really important that you align your, p yourself with people in comedy that are, you know, of the same mindset. Because I noticed um, you have been working with CBC mm -hmm. uh, and you have, uh, it's so 
funny. Honestly, I, I could get lost in watching these videos. Uh, they're kind of like almost mini segments mm-hmm. called uh, What Sheena Said. That's what Sheena said. That's yep. what Sheena said. Yeah. And they're hilarious. And some of the people that you've interviewed are big time stars. Yeah. Well, um, you know, one of the first ones that you can see on that site is uh, me interviewing Howie Mandel. But the funny thing was, it was at a busy bar. It was the only time that he could meet with us. And he was he was like everything you would want him to be. Like, Howie Mandel is so lovely. And I'm sorry, but he shook my hand. He was not creepy about it. He didn't do like a fist bump or really? anything like that. He wasn't weird at all. Like, I was like hugging him and touching him. And you were also yeah. lying on the floor going, ah! <laughs> and screaming and if you haven't seen this video um i'm telling you right now i it's just she's lying in the middle of the floor and it's so funny but you're right some whoever edited that they're editing it with perfect timing because it's just so funny and you're so funny and when you have that formula together it just makes her outstanding comedy. Yeah. Well, I mean, my style of comedy at times, and it's very weird because like, for an example, you and I are sitting here and you and I talk a lot. We're friends. And I'm not, the funny thing is, is I, I'm not always screaming all the time. I just want to make that very clear to everybody <laughs> that occasionally I know how to shut my trap. <laughs> but the, but it's weird when you get into an interview scenario with somebody like Howie Mandel, who doesn't know you, and all of a sudden you start acting wild. And by the way, I was six months pregnant with my daughter at the time. Really? Yeah, with my, I was six months pregnant at the time, and I it was sort of weird. Like, and I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's I don't really feel like you have to put everything out there if you don't want to. And I talk about my daughter and my kids now, but. There was, I did go through a time frame where I was like, I don't want anybody to see my daughter. I don't want people to know I have a, a son. I, I want my kids to be separate. And I, I don't know why. I just went through a phase. Maybe it was that mother protect, like that natural instinct to be a yeah. protector of these children. But I, I just wanted to keep everything very separate for a long time. You know? And I think if I had children, I would be that same way. I know a lot of my friends who are moms uh right away they'll they'll put like you know the newborn picture on facebook or socials and then you won't see another picture of that kid until they're eight yeah. um and some some people are very protective like that mm-hmm. but then there are other moms- we ain't talking about you taylor k <laughs> you and your special k's put it all out there girl yeah no taylor k yeah, is another just- one who's just like on it she knows what yeah. she knows what's going on with yeah. socials and she yeah. she uses her kids and funny great comedy yes. timing and and the and the, it's so hilarious to me because i think she's a great example of somebody who knows how to do it right like it's just the right i follow her on all of her social media platforms and she does a really good job at uh doing a perfect mix of like here's serious me and i'm gonna talk to you about mortgages and we're gonna we're gonna do that part but then you know once a week here's a little thing with my kids and just three girls right yeah and she calls them the special k's and her last name is k which i think is so damn cute adorable it's absolutely adorable i mean superstar marketing by the way right good good branding girl yeah (laughs) this is sam and sheena approved (laughs) 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 but tell me about all the the people you interviewed so you said mc hammer was a bit on the eh side maybe not so friendly but was there like a disaster interview or is that the biggest disaster interview you've ever had well let me tell you a little bit about an interview with a man called biz (laughs) marquee Really? Remember that song that was like, oh, baby, you, you, you got, got what, what I need. need. 
But you, you say he's, he's just he a friend. Just, she he, just she, he. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> it's the nineties. It could it? be a he and a she. <laughs> what was it? Say, oh, she's just she's a, just, she's just a just friend. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I so tell think me you're but- wrong. It's he's just a friend. <laughs> Is it? Oh, they say he just a friend. I'm. Please tweet Sam and tell her what the appropriate lyric is because oh, we're lost. I don't know what it is, but tell me, tell me what happened. Um, yeah, so essentially, um, we were given an address to go and interview Biz Marquis, and it was at a hotel downtown Toronto. Super excited to go and interview him. And we thought, you know what? He's on this new show at the time. It was called Yo Gabba Gabba, and it's a kid's show. And he does something called Biz Beat of the Day, where he would just go. It's a children's show, which is hilarious, but he would just go and do a little beat. And he had a green screen in the background. So um, our idea was to go to his hotel, or sorry, go to the lobby, set up this green screen, have him come down, do some beats for us, talk about Yo Gabba Gabba, talk about his new songs, and call it a day. Like, nice, easy, fun, cut it together, choppy, that Tim and Eric style, goofy, and call it a day. So we show up there, we set up the green screen, we're waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for Biz. He's just not coming down, not coming down. We call his manager, his manager is like, Biz doesn't want to come down, so can you guys come to his room? So we're like, that's a bit strange, but no problem. We've already been waiting down here for an hour. I said, we'll be up in 20 minutes. we got to pack up the green screen. So we pack up oh the green goodness. screen, which is, if anybody's ever unpacked or packed up a green screen, like, it's hard. It's, yeah. It never folds down properly. It was just a nightmare. So we finally get up to his room. We walk in, and Biz is laying on a king-size bed in the middle of the room, and he was just like, what's up? Like, talking like, hi, well, this, who is this, MTV? Like, he was just out of it. Like, we're, what? We're, what's going on? <laughs> we were just like, okay, so um, we're like, we're going to set up the green screen here. And he just refused to get off the bed. He would not get off the bed. <laughs> That's even funnier. He just stayed. So um, we started to set up the green screen. And he's like, hey, what are you doing with that green screen in my room? And we're like, um, well, we, we've been emailing with you. And we're going to do this green screen bit. And, you know, he's like, I changed my mind. I don't want to do the green screen. you got to come over here and do the interview on the bed. <laughs> No. Yeah, it was just so Did you go on the bed? and weird. So we went over, set up on the bed, <laughs> everything. We just interviewed Biz Markie on the bed. And then I think we ended up making a joke of it. It was like Biz on the bed or something. We we turned a negative into a positive. But it was really weird. Like he was like if you if you see him like talking in an interview or whatever, he's slightly off kilter a little bit. Um, but I love this that you yeah. did an interview on a bed he with him. He refused to get out, but it was also like slightly creepy. And then it was, and then we packed up our equipment and like oh packed goodness. up our green screen. We were getting ready to go, and he was essentially like, "Why do you still come back down and lay on the bed?" <laughs> like, you are very, very forward, Mister Wow. <laughs> That's insane. But the interview was weird. It was like he was just like this, like slurring through the whole thing and whatever. But it ended up like MTV is not like it is in the states. MTV has a talk television license in yeah. Canada. Yeah. So that's why on MTV in Canada, you see a lot of reality shows and you see, a, because they don't have the licensing. Much music has the Canadian license to show music videos. So therefore, that's why you see all this comedy there. So with it being a comedy channel and a talk television station, you know, it actually made for great TV it was like, 
That's on. But it was one of the weirdest scenarios I've ever been. I was like, this is just so bizarre. That's the best story. I love that story. Biz on the bed. I never forget it. It was such a weird thing. Like, it was just like locking these green screens around, getting hit on by Biz Marquis. Like, (laughs) nightmare. I I love it. I love it. And now you're like a mom and a professor. Yeah. I'm like so proper now. Like, watch out. (laughs) Now, what's going to happen when your kids get to the age that they're going to go on YouTube and they're going to see mom, like, you know, with Ron Jeremy looking at, you know, I have thought of Bones this. Bones or whatever. What, what were you guys looking at? Oh, we, oh we went to, do you remember? It was called Body, uh, the Body Exhibit, I think it was called. Yeah, at the ROM? And yeah, it was essentially really, oh, it was called Body Worlds. And it was essentially people's bodies, like, completely stripped down so you could see the bones, you could see the muscle structures. Like, it was really weird, but cool. So, Ron Jeremy and I did several segments with each other over time because, like I said, him and I sort of became friends, which is really weird to say that. Um, And the odd thing is, is we were trying to think of different things to do with him to showcase how awesome of a person he is. So, you know, we were looking for things to do in town and we saw Body Worlds were there. So I was like, how great would this be for him to go to Body Worlds? But he was actually so, he was such a trooper because I know he was feeling very nervous about going there because with it being connected to, you know, there's like a science museum. He's worried about people thinking like Ron Jeremy's around a bunch of kids. Like he has to be careful about that stuff because of what people think about him. And I mean, like I said, it couldn't be farther from the truth, but I just, one of my favorite memories and about that specific day is uh, Ron Jeremy also has, he's, he's got narcolepsy. So he just randomly falls asleep all the time, which is hilarious. Yeah. Like he doesn't care where he is. He'll just go to sleep. Like we could just be talking like this and he'll just, and he's out he'll just fall asleep on you. And then he'll wake up about 30 seconds later and he's right back in the conversation. It's actually really hilarious. Wow. It's really, it's really funny. So I remember um, we got to the parking lot of the ROM and uh, he was sleeping. And so a friend of mine, we happened to have a, a bottle of Baileys in the trunk. So we were like, let's just go drink some Baileys while Ron sleeps. She just happened to have yes. Baileys. Mm-hmm. I might always carry alcohol around <laughs> with me. I mean, not at Mohawk, though. Never. No, nev- never when <laughs> she's teaching. Kidding. No. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I'm not that drunk teacher. I'm no. not saying there is one at Mohawk, but I'm saying I think everybody in high school had that one teacher yeah. that was, like, always drunk yeah. all the time. But that's not me. People just think I'm drunk, but I'm not. <laughs> they think that with me sometimes, too, so. <laughs> it's like she's out of it. It's yeah. Like, we just tired. We're we great, deal- but yeah, exactly. Dealing with, like, 500 students a day, it'll knock you out. It will. Uh, I actually, side note, I went on a, a boat cruise once in Port Dover for a wedding, and I had one drink, one glass of wine, and I went up maybe an hour or two later to go to the bar uh, on the boat and the captain of the boat came over and was like, I'm really sorry, ma'am, but we have to cut you off. <laughs> I was like, bitch, please. I had one glass of wine. Oh, that's so and he's funny. like, you know, don't take it personal. We just have to be very careful. People don't fall overboard. And I'm like, I'm not drunk. I'm just loud and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that is phenomenal. I love that. What? I love being loud. Do you yeah. love being loud? I'm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know what? It's part of my personality. I'm just used to it. I, I just, I like being loud and obnoxious. 
It's just, <laughs> it's amazing. Maybe that's why we get along. Probably. But I don't think of you as loud and obnoxious. But I think when you're you're a professor, lecturing, I find, is very similar to stand-up comedy. Like, you have to have a certain performance element to be able to do this. Yeah. That's probably why I enjoyed your classes so much. I, th- I try to make my classes fun and, and put an element of comedy in there mm-hmm. because I just know that as a student, it's just sitting there is so boring. So mm-hmm. I so having you as a professor must be unbelievable because you are just so naturally funny and naturally talented. And Well, I think the weird thing is, is people see me and I'm like a big woman. So the funny thing is, is they see me and they don't think I have this energy level. But for some reason, I've just always had energy. Like I walk around the classroom. I love to stand. Uh, you know, you'll never see me like sitting and teaching. Like that doesn't happen. Like I'm just always standing, moving around. It'll be a four or five hour class, and Mama's still walking around hustling. Like that's just love the way it. it is. But oh, you didn't answer the question about your the kids. One day your kids are going to see you. Uh, that's what. And then we start talking about Ron Jeremy. But I want to come back to that. Are you ever going to like try to prevent them from watching those videos or? Are you like, it's so weird because I, I've thought about this quite a bit. Um, and it's interesting that you bring it up. I, it's the stuff is out there. And I mean, if my kids see it, I'll just embrace it with them and explain, you know, what, and plus I feel like when they get old enough to know the landscape of how we consume media and entertainment is going to be so different. Yeah. Like, um, I, we're already seeing uh, the 15-second the video will get way more hits than the five-minute video. Yeah. So it, it can be really tough. I feel like they may not have the attention span to maybe sit there and watch a three- or four-minute clip. Like, yeah. But they're going to see it. So I feel like I'm just going to tackle it the way I always have, which is just embrace what I did, be proud of it, and also explain to them that they can never do that same thing. Mm-mm-mm. Do not go into a shopper's drug mart and steal a cardboard cutout Exactly. whoever the next pop celebrity is down the road. <laughs> now, one of the segments you did was, and I can't remember the exact name of it, but it was when you were asking celebrities about um, the most famous person they have in their cell phone. Do you remember mm-hmm. doing that yes, bit? Yes, I do. Yeah. So I'm just curious, as I open my soda stream again, that's what you hear. Um, who is the most famous person you have in your cell phone? Oh, my gosh. Um that's really interesting. I kind of think about that question. So now I'm on the spot with this, which yeah, is really great. Yeah, I'm trying to think of mine. Um, I well, I for sure, I have the all of the MTV hosts um, in my... So you know what? Maybe I can say Dan Levy. I think I have his cell phone number in there somewhere. And uh, Jesse Cruikshank, who is on the... Um, who would be... And I also have, I think, Brent Butt's phone number. In oh, there. really? <laughs> oh, he's so funny. Yeah. He's very funny. I miss the days of the Corner Gas. It was a great show. I would. I really hope he comes back with some new thing because he's just such a hilarious guy. Now, really what funny. about stand-up comedy? Have you ever thought of doing that? Um, I have actually tried stand-up a handful of times, and uh, I feel like I would be better at it now because of teaching. Because, uh, te- like I said, teaching is very similar to stand-up. Like you, yeah. and especially you're. As a teacher and a professor, you're no longer, um, you know, battling with just them learning the content. You're now battling for their attention because if they're not into what you're talking about, they'll just look at their phone. But I think I've really learned a way to to grab people's attention. And I think I just feel like if I gave the stand up a second chance in terms of like trying to do it full time, I feel like I would be much better at it now. Um, it's I, just tough. It's tough to go do those gigs and stuff, you know, and hustle around and, oh, I'm in Niagara Falls this weekend to yeah. do like 
a 20 minute set or whatever. Like it's, it's a, it's a commitment and hustle. And also too, I think that you would have a lot of material to talk about now, like being a mom as well. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of, uh, you know, diaper, funny diaper things you could talk about. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I've often thought it's funny. I have a little in my phone. I actually have a notepad thing that's like, oh, if I ever do stand up, this is what I'm going to write. And I just put my jokes down kind of like, um, oh God. Oh my God. What's wrong with me? From the fashion police. Oh, oh my God. What's her name? What's her name? Older. She passed away. What is Hold it? on. Don't t- Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. What is wrong with me? I know. Why it's couldn't okay. I, I couldn't right remember like either. Three books so. of hers. Anyways, Joan River used to keep all of her jokes in a in an old desk in like a cat in a cataloged fashion. And anytime something happened in the news with a certain celebrity, like say David Hasselhoff or whatever, she would go and look for her H and she'd find Hasselhoff and she'd hmm. pull out all of her jokes about David Hasselhoff. Well, I kind of look at this the same way, but it's like on my phone. So I do something very similar. Um, so I often think that, you know, if I was to do stand up, I do have a really good arsenal there of things that I've kind of been building over time. Like, especially you're right. Motherhood is such a huge thing. Like, it's mm-hmm. so funny for me when I watch, um, comedies like video movies, because anytime a woman goes into labor, um, in a comedy video, the first thing that happens is the woman's, the woman's water breaks, right? It it's, does. It, that's, that's what happens. But that's not actually what happens like when you're actually like having a baby like that's it's not like water breaks and the baby like comes out like there's like a process (laughs) of things you know there's this thing and I'm just gonna say this is kind of gross. But there's this thing that comes out of you first, long before the water breaks, which is called a mucus plug. Like, why doesn't anybody ever talk about? Yeah, (laughs) look at her face. From someone who's never had a baby, I'd like to say, (laughs) (laughs) Sam, oh my God. It's a plug that has mucus on it. It's like, do you want me to explain it to you? (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. But what I'm saying is like, why isn't anybody, why isn't anybody ever like, oh my God, I, I, my mucus plug just came out. Like the baby's coming. Everybody goes right to the water break. The water break happens after the mucus plug comes out. How, ah, what does it look like? It looks like, it don't, looks don't like what, it what looks you like. would think. But is it like, is it like, 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 it's, it's like, like it's stuff. It's stuff that look, comes I'll, I'll out. I'll look it up on Google. <laughs> Maybe you actually don't look it plug. up. <laughs> no. Okay. So, hey, you know what? I learned something new today. Yeah. The more yeah. you know. The, the more you know. Uh, about that. Oh my goodness. Okay, so there's a mucus plug, water breaks, baby. Got it. Yes. Contractions are in there too. Contractions. You know, it takes it takes there's <sighs> it's there's a process. It's like a two-day th- ordeal. Whenever is what it is. Whenever I wake up and I go, My life is not complete because I don't have children and I can't have children, and I start to cry. I'm gonna think of mucus think plug of every mucus time plug. and be like, I love my dog, I love my life. Woo. That'll get you back in check, girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> think about it. Oh Come man, honestly, but this, it's so funny. It, it cracks me up. So there, I mean, there's definitely some things that I I think about, especially about motherhood and comedy and how, uh, you know, you can. There's so many jokes there, you know. I think you you should do it. I mean, I would come to your show and there's so many people that know you. They know even of you. Mm -hmm. They've heard your name. They've seen your work. Um, And and students like now, Mm -hmm. so students who are in their 20s now know you. 
people that are, you know, my age know you, and uh, you you are like a Hamilton staple. Yeah. Well, and it's I'm, not off the table that I would, like, it's not off the table, for sure. But I'm so excited because I feel like you've done all this work up until this point, and you, you had children, but I feel like that was part one, and mm-hmm. that part two or phase two of your life is just coming, and I feel like something's a brewing, and you're just kind of not telling anybody yet, but oh, is there a go. part two that is coming? Um, well, I think that I'm always, I'm never opposed to trying or doing new things, especially when it comes to social media. I'm always looking to see what is, what is that new now next thing? Like, I'm like looking at all of our students right now. A lot of these, you know, folks are using TikTok, which I think is like, just, it's so much fun. Like I'm watching folks make TikTok videos and I'm just like, oh my God, I want to do this. But then I talk to some of my students about and they're like, oh, that's too young, Sheena. You shouldn't do that. It's like, it's from 13 year olds. And I'm like, stop it. I know, I know. But I, I think whatever the chapters are that are coming up next, and I do have a couple of things that are irons in the fire, but I think whatever the chapters are that, come are coming up down the road I'm always thinking digitally now as opposed to I really used to think about you know that process of making a proposal and a treatment building a script going to a network pitching like this is this would be the plan this is Sheena's plan five years ago of of my thought process of how television and even radio and things like that work but I think I'm, I'm thinking digitally now I'm thinking about how 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 can I make that my new, you know, my new career? And especially right now at Mohawk, which I'm really excited about, um, we're running all of these YouTube creator camps, yeah. which are really great. It's, you've got like some amazing YouTubers as well. <clears throat> great YouTubers coming in. So um, the YouTube camp uh, specifically, we have um, Breaks Eduardo coming in. Um, he's a Hamiltonian right here. He lives amongst us. Love that. This kid's got 7.5 million subscribers on YouTube, and he's just doing this stuff out of his basement. I think it's awesome. Just great. And another guy as well who comes in often to some of my classes, and his name is 09 Shark Boy. And again, another Hamiltonian that, you know, makes gaming videos out of his closet and videos about cars. And I just really think that we need to shift our mindset. I don't think TV is dead. I think the way we consume TV and consume content is different. And I'm so glad Mohawk is on board, you know, with supporting these kinds of initiatives. Like, they're just like, green light go. Like, let's do this. And I think it's just really important that, especially for the students, that we're providing for them, you know, what is relevant and what is new now next, as opposed to teaching the same thing over and over again, right? Who is your favorite YouTuber? Do you have someone that you go to? Because, I mean, Joe Rogan. Oh, yes. He's great. We love great. Joe. Yeah. And he does a, he's one of these folks. Joe Rogan does a really great job of doing his podcast, but also providing the visual content across his other transmedia branding that just really... Um, he's one of the guys that I look to and I'm like, yeah, you guys are doing a good job. Also the Nerdist as well. They do a great job of podcasting and also making video content too. So I think we just need to start thinking more multi-platform instead of thinking about like, how do I specifically make Instagram really great? Well, you know what? Instagram's big now, but Instagram might not be big tomorrow or next year or whatever. So it's, I think it's important to always be thinking of that next platform and how do I still make one piece of content that's within my branding, but still put it over all of these platforms so that it makes sense for those viewers. Because for an example, like when I make something for Facebook, I know that I'm dealing with an older demographic. Right. So I will try to, you know, cater to their needs. Whereas when I put something on Instagram, it's a little more fun. 
lighthearted lighthearted, and a little bit more fashion forward and stuff like that. So it really depends on what the audience is that you're dealing with at the time. Now, for people that, you know, maybe don't know you personally like I do, um, I'm going to ask a question on behalf of them because I want your answer. When you are like me and for years I wanted to do a show like this and I talked about it, wanted to do it, never did it, was scared to do it. And there's a lot of people out there that are like, "Mm, you know, I have some really good ideas. I I could do a show like this. What advice do you have for those people that, you know, were like me up until 2019 and thought I could never do this. No one's going to watch. No one's going to care. And I finally just did it. What advice do you have for those people that have an idea that are just too scared to do it? Get your ass out of that creative purgatory that you be living it. <laughs> I mean, I know that sounds really blunt, but you really have to listen to your inner voice. If life is so short, obviously this sounds like cliche advice, but like you got to just try stuff. And if you're feeling really insecure about maybe going live on Facebook, well, create a dummy account. Create an account where you have no followers, some dumb thing, test testing Hamilton girl 0389 or whatever the situation is. And you know what? Try it. Do a couple of them. See how you look. You know, figure out what lighting works best for you. Figure out what room gives you the best acoustics, the best sound. Um, You know, like I'm sure like this room, for an example, I'm sure it took you a couple of takes to figure out what is where am I going to do this? Yeah, I mean, it was and it was nerve wracking because I was like, oh, what if this background doesn't look good or people make fun of my flower, my chairs? And I was like, oh, what if I don't look good or what if, you know, my makeup doesn't look right? So it, it it caused me a great deal of anxiety. And finally, I just said, don't care. This is it. I'm putting two chairs in this room. This is a very small little little studio office that we have. And I just did it. So I think that, um, you know, for me, telling people is just to try it and do exactly what you say, test it out. And even if nobody watches, just put it out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got thousands of people subscribed to you on YouTube and you've got, you know, thousands of hundreds of thousands of views. Um, so like I look at someone like you and I'm like, oh, I can't have her on my show because, you know, she's got all these subscribers and views and I've got, you know, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's because you put yourself out there and people are drawn to that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, just, I'm just so proud of everything that you have done and that, uh, I, and I hope that you continue to just keep making us laugh because we need more people in the world like you. Oh my God, I'm going to cry right here. We do, we do. <laughs> like I said, every time I need to pick me up, I just need to come over to Sam's house. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, if if anybody knows how to make someone laugh and feel good, I've never heard you say a negative thing about anybody. You've Ooh, never spoken bad about so. anyone. Um, and it's just, you're always full of positivity. And I think that that's super important. And that is what's going to, you know, keep you and uh, your career going because mm-hmm. you just need to be that positive light for people. And that's what you are. Thank you. Well, I especially think, and I mean, I guess this is patting myself on the back a little bit in terms of like, especially if we want to talk early career, uh, the MTV days early on when I first started being on air. And I know that this sounds really weird to say because now we've got Melissa McCarthy, we've got our Rebel Wilsons, or you know, ton, tons of plus size women who are coming up in the ranks and are doing awesome things in comedy and TV and whatnot. But I would say the body representation was very, very low in 2006, 7, 8 when I first was coming up through the ranks. And I've always really appreciated MTV for taking a chance on somebody like me because there really wasn't a lot of women who, you know, and even to this day and age, 
it can be challenging to see where where do the people like me fit in. And this isn't a knock at the social. I have friends that work on the social. I have friends who host on the this, this social. But I will say it's like you take a show like this for an example. We're seeing the same body types over and over. We're seeing the same hair colors over and over. We're seeing the same things. And like I said, it's not a knock on the social directly because it is a great show. And there is it is really about the conversations that they're having. But if we're talking about body representation, it can be really hard and it can be it can be tough when you don't see people like you out there. And I mean, early on, I felt like I was a representation for a market that people just weren't, it just wasn't there. It wasn't there. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. And I think that's, what's so amazing is that, you know, you didn't care what other people said or thought and you just went and did you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think so many people are drawn to you because you're authentic. Because I remember going to auditions, um, you know, back in, you know, the 2000s, and, um, you know, they would say to me um, at like a hundred and I think it was like 20 pounds at the time that I was too overweight oh for any God, parts. Awful. And you're like, what? And so I wish that I just, you know, said, I don't care. Like, this is me. Take it or leave it. But, you know, these girls, they think that you have to be this perfect size, you know, perfect hair, perfect makeup. And you just have to be you. Yeah. yeah That's it. Absolutely. You just have to be you. And... and, and any way that you you come you just have to be you yeah you be you guys yeah you, you be you you be you and good <laughs> things will happen now i want to ask you before you leave um i want to say thank you first of all as well to my uh co-executive producer thank you so much robert kerr i have a patreon account patreon slash sam cook live yes. and uh he is one of our co-executive producers so thank you robert kerr also went to mohawk college as well really? i will say um, but before we end, I want to ask you to name three things that you, Sheena, are grateful for. Oh, wow. It's a That's tough a question. One. I'm going to drink my water while you water sad. Um, I feel, first of all, I, uh, oftentimes we wake up in the morning and we look at the news and things can be so dreary. So I always say I'm very grateful for where we were born and, and raised in, in, in Canada. I feel so lucky, um. Like I said, waking up in the morning and reading the news sometimes just makes you think every day, like, thank God we live where we live and uh, we have the resources that we have. So obviously, I'm always grateful for that. And I'm also grateful for the fast eddies in Brantford because <laughs> <laughs> I went right from Canada, right <laughs> If I'm being real, I really enjoy the cheese fries. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Which brings me into the third thing that okay. I'm grateful for, processed cheese. <laughs> number one, living in Canada. Number two, the fast cities in Brantford. And number three, processed cheese. Not my kids, not my husband. No, no. Family, friends, no, Sam. No. Love Process it. Jeez. I love it. And I love you. Thank you so yeah, much no for problem. coming on my show. You are absolutely the best. And I wish you so much joy, happiness, and success in everything that you do. And thank you. Thank you for being a part of my life and now yours. I appreciate you.